Welcome to the LifeGate Podcast. Our vision is changing lives in a changing culture with the unchanging truth. Our prayer is that these weekly messages will inspire you to life change through the principles found in God's Word. For more information, visit us online at LifeGateBurleson.com. I'm going to take a moment just to talk about something that I think all of us struggle with. And this is, um, this is something that, that it kind of goes back and forth. It's not always a constant struggle, but if we're not always engaged in this, then we'll give in when we don't even mean to. And really, this whole topic is on longevity in our faith. What it takes to have longevity in our relationship with God. Because so many of us, we go through our life every single day and we just live it out. We do what's right and we do sometimes what's wrong. We try to do our best to live for Christ. We try to do our best to do the right thing, but sometimes we miss the mark. So it's important for us to make sure that even on days when we're not ready or maybe in days when we're not quite focused that we have to make sure what I'm saying, what I'm doing today determines my longevity and my relationship with Christ. And so today, just for the next few moments, lean in, take notes, even as a family, take notes and, and maybe after the message is over with, sit down for just a couple minutes and, and discuss with each other. What are some major things that we took away from this? How can we do life together as a family to make sure that we're in it from the long haul? It's not just every Sunday or maybe every Wednesday or, or Christmas and Easter. It's every single day we're living out our faith. And so we're going to ask a couple questions. Uh, why do Christians quit? And then what does it take to last? And so we're going to look at these questions and kind of break it down from there. And so the first question is, why do Christians quit? Why do we quit? We all, we all know people that, man, they were on fire for God. They were living their life for him. They were doing everything that they could. It was somebody that, that was radical in their faith. And then all of a sudden, something took a hard right. And we didn't understand what was going on. And all of a sudden, they started to make choices that they never made before and and it was difficult for us and so I think it's important for us as Christians to answer this question of why do we quit sometimes and I don't think that we wake up with the intention to give up I don't think we wake up with the intention to quit just some days are hard some days are easy and the wear and tear of life over time we tend to give up we tend to quit and so we can have moments of failure we can have moments where we say ah I didn't hit the mark today, I failed today, I ultimately, maybe today, I did quit, but in the long haul, tomorrow, I'm going to wake up and I'm going to make the right choice to turn my eyes back to Christ, so that at the end, I can hear that well done, good and faithful servant that we all long for. And so why do Christians quit? The first reason that I believe that Christians quit is because we're trying to impress God. We do everything that we can to impress God. We work hard. We do everything. We, Christians, aren't, Christians aren't just living their life, you know, just meaninglessly. We have a purpose. We have a point to our life. We have a calling to our life. And I think sometimes why Christians end up quitting is because we're constantly trying to impress God. We're constantly trying to prove to him that, that we're worth it. That when he sent his son to die on the cross for us, that it was worth it. And so it's important for us to understand that there's nothing that we can do to earn that. There's nothing that we can do to really impress God. And I believe that Christians aren't giving up because they're bored. I believe that they're giving up because they're exhausted. I don't think Christians just give up because like, well, this is a boring life. Christianity is boring. I don't understand it. It's not really what I'm here for. I don't get it anymore, so I'm out. 
I believe that a reason that a lot of Christians quit is because they're exhausted. They get burned out in their faith because they try too hard all the time. Every waking moment, what do I need to do to impress God? I can't believe I messed up. I can't believe that I failed. But understanding that it's not about what we do that gets us into heaven, we can't earn that. We can't earn that right. In Ephesians in chapter 2, starting in verse 8, it says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. That's the only thing that you can do. That's the only thing that we can do is believe. You can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. So you have to understand that we can't try hard enough to get into heaven. We can't do enough right things for God to be happy with us. Because if you spend your whole life just trying to impress him, you will be worn out. Because there's no way that we can live up to his good and perfect standard. But by his grace, we are saved. By his grace, that's it. That's all we can do. There's, there's nothing else that we can accomplish. Because if we think that our acts are what gets us into heaven, then we're saying that when Jesus died on the cross, then that act alone wasn't good enough. That act alone wasn't good enough when in reality, that's all we need was his sacrifice, was Christ's sacrifice. That's what gets us into heaven. It was by his grace. God saved you by his grace when you believed. When you believed. So we have to remember that everything that we have, everything that we get to experience, everything that we get to have in this life, we receive because of his goodness, because of his grace. So right now, just begin to think about everything that you've been given, everything that, that God has allowed you to obtain, it's because he loves you. It's because of his grace. It's not because you worked so hard that you earned it. Yeah, maybe you have a job and maybe you work really hard for the things around you, but when it comes down to it, ultimate peace and joy comes from God. And there's nothing that we can do aside from the act of believing that earns us salvation. So it's not to say, well, okay, well, I can go on sinning and I'll be fine. Paul talks about that. But it's to say, look, I, I'm gonna intentionally live my life for Christ. I'm gonna do what I can to please him, but understand that at the end of the day, even if I mess up, tomorrow I can wake up and make the right decision to turn my eyes back to Christ. That it's not about all my acts that got me into heaven. It's because he loves me. He loves me at my very worst. He loves me in the moments when I struggle. He loves me in the moments that I failed. He still loves me and because of his grace, I am saved. The second part of this, and I think this might kind of get us a little riled up a little bit of the reason I think that Christians a lot of times give up is because we're constantly trying to impress other Christians. A lot of reason that people give up is because we're always in this race of how can I impress the people around me? How can I impress other Christians? And when we constantly live for that validation, man, when people begin to criticize us, we'll fail. When we constantly live for other people's words and, and their approval, the moment they disapprove, we feel like failures. So we have to understand that it's not about impressing other people. It's not about impressing those who are around us and being in church. Am I, am I raising my hands at the right time? Am, am I bowing just right? You know, am I, am I entering in the right way? Did I tithe enough? Did I give enough? Did I, you know, do I serve enough Sundays? Do I, am, I, am I at the church enough? Does my, does my family look all nice and neat? Do we all match? Do we, is everybody's shoes tied? It, it, you know, it's not about that. We can't constantly live for impressing the people around us. 
We can't do that. It's a dangerous game for us to play. But I believe that Christians sometimes are the worst at this. We're always trying to show just how well we're doing. We're just trying to show how happy we are, how great things are going. We're always trying to show this. And, and some people are the opposite. And all they do is complain and throw a fit. And, and we know who they are because they're always on Facebook complaining about the next thing that happened. But for the most part, a lot of Christians... We just try so hard to impress each other. We try so hard to, to show how great we're doing and how well our life is going. And we post it on social media. We post it on Instagram. We post it on Facebook. Especially in a time like this where all we can do, it, what it feels like is be on social media. So we post and we post and we post and look at what we're doing and look at how cute my kid is and all these things. And we're constantly trying to impress the people around us. And when we live for that, the moment we feel like we fail, it all comes crumbling down. So for us, we can't live for that. In Psalms 127, uh, in chapter 1, or verse 127, starting in verse 1 and 2, it says, Unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builder is wasted. Unless the Lord protects a city, guarding it with centuries will do no good. It is useless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night, anxiously working for food to eat, for God gives rest to his loved ones. God gives rest to his loved ones. This is something I think that we need to remember. Unless the Lord builds the house, the work of the builder is wasted. Unless the Lord protects a city, guarding it with centuries will do no good. So all the trying that we do to try to, to, to impress one another and make sure that we're better than the person next to us. And, and here's the deal, is that none of us are very outward about that. We don't, we don't say those words, but in our mind, we think it all the time. How do I look compared to this person? How do I worship compared to this person? How does my job measure up to their job? My pay scale and, and what they do and the car that they drive and in the house that we live in. Unless God builds the house, it doesn't matter. Unless God is guarding your family, unless he's guarding your house, he's guarding your kids, then all the work that we do to provide for them will do no good. Because if we haven't allowed God to be our provider and God to be our sense of security, then even when our kids try to go out into the world, they'll be looking for the wrong things and they'll have no sense of security because they didn't understand where true security came from in the first place. So understanding that everything that we do as Christians is based on how good God is, not how good we are. And when we're constantly trying, when we're constantly trying to go and go and go, it hurts us. And I mean, aren't you just sick and tired of saying that you're busy? I know I get that way. You have a conversation with somebody like, oh, we're up to, well, man, you know, we're just so busy. It's just, it's a constant grind. You know, work's got me down, work's got me going. And, and, and we say things like when people are like, hey, do you guys want to try to get to lunch or you want to go to get together for dinner? And we say things like, well, let me check my calendar. When we know good and well, there's nothing on that thing. There's nothing on the calendar. You know, you don't have anything to do, but we want to make sure that we look busy, that we've got something going on, that our time is already taken up because we're so important. But what if we just slow down? What if we valued time together as Christians? When was the last time that we were vulnerable in our insecurities and our securities? When was the last time that we talked about those things? When was the last time we said, man, I know you just asked me how I'm doing and I'm just gonna be real with you. Life is hard. Life is difficult right now and 
and I don't know how to make it through this season that I'm walking in. I'm trying. I feel like I've been grinding at this season over and over and over again, and it's just not working. When was the last time we were vulnerable about that? And even for us as Christians, when we hear somebody say that, how do we respond? Or do we have grace for them? Do we stop and we pray for them? Or do we say, oh man, I'm praying for you, and then we walk away and we never remember to pray? We've got to be willing to love on one another. We always say that we're going. We're always saying that we're busy. We should be tired of that, tired of constantly trying to prove ourselves and prove how busy we are, but instead be vulnerable about our reality, what our life really looks like. Allow people to see who we truly are because people will admire you for how awesome you are and all of your successes. They'll admire you for the car that you drive maybe and they'll think that that's cool, but they will only identify with you in your weaknesses. For me, I can, I can admire LeBron James for everything that he does, but I sure can't play basketball. I'm way too short, and I ain't quick enough, and I don't have the shot. But when I can relate to him is when he misses a three. I'm like, I can miss a three all day long. Me and LeBron are the same person. You know what I mean? Like, I can identify in the weaknesses. So when was the last time that we showed our weakness a little bit and identified with people in that way? Just being willing to say, look, you know, I'm not perfect. I don't have it all together. Instead of posting a picture of your kid's perfect smile, what about one with a booger in their nose? Let's do that. Let's, let's be vulnerable. Let's be, let's be real with people that are around us. Because I believe that as Christians, if we were real more often, man, we would be closer as a body of Christ instead of so disjointed all the time. So what are the two reasons that I think that Christians quit a lot of times? Because we try too hard. To impress God and we try too hard to impress other Christians we try too hard we're constantly gunning for it we're constantly trying to to go for it trying to get to that next place in second Timothy in chapter 4 starting in verse 7 it says I have fought the good fight I've finished the race and I have remained faithful and now the prize awaits me that's what we all want we want to get to the end of our life and be able to, to let this be our motto man I fought the fight. I finished the race. And now my prize awaits me. And to me, it's heartbreaking to see Christians leave the church. It's heartbreaking to see people quit, people give up, and they don't get to live this out. It should be our goal for each and every one of us to say that this is what I want for me and my family. I want to fight the fight. I want to finish the race. I want to remain faithful. And because of that, my prize awaits me. God's gonna give me everything that I've dreamed of. I get to spend eternity in heaven with him. So let's look at this second question. How do I last? How do I last? How do I have longevity in my faith? For your sake, for your kid's sake, for your grandkid's sake, longevity is important, but we have to approach it the right way. So let's look at a couple things. And the goal for all of us is to hear, well done, good and faithful servant, right? That's what we all wanna hear, we wanna hear that. So there's some things that I believe that we need to do. The first thing is, as Christians, if we wanna last, we need to remember what is important. Remember that what is most important. The first thing is the gospel. The gospel is important. The gospel is important, the message of Christ is important. And I'm saying that now, and some of you are sitting in your, in your chair, on your couch, your beanbag, whatever you've got going on, and you're thinking, that's your point? That's what I need to remember? I need to remember 
the gospel? I already know that the gospel is important. Well, let me ask you a question. Is that point so shallow because now that statement has just become a ritual to you instead of a relationship? Because I know that that's who I was in my faith. I, I mean, there were times early on in my faith that if I heard that, that Jesus died on the cross for my sins one more time, I was going to lose it. Like, I get it. I get that he did it. That's great. What I realized is that my relationship with God had shifted tra- tradition and, and ritual instead of an actual interaction with him. So we should never grow numb to the gospel, but remember that he loves us, that Jesus died on the cross for our sins so that we could go to heaven even when we don't deserve it, even when we don't deserve it. The second thing that we need to remember that's important is God's people. God's people are important. God's people are important. And in a day and an age and a time like right now where we're fighting over toilet paper, when you were running to the store to make sure that you could get eggs and milk and bread for your family and you're looking at somebody else and, and did you care about whether or not they got something too or was it we're all just fending for ourselves? We're all just trying to survive. I heard somebody the other day, they were talking about they needed something off the shelf and, and there was one of that specific item left and they snagged it up and they said they felt a sense of accomplishment that they got the very last thing. And I thought to myself, well, what about an elderly person that might have needed that? What about somebody else that that needed it more than you? We felt accomplished because we snagged up the last thing. When was the last time we cared about God's people and we intentionally lived to love the people that he created? The last part of, of this is that we have to remember that's important is God's word. God's word, the Bible is important. The Bible is important. When was the last time that we read the Bible because we wanted to grow closer to Jesus? Not when we just needed wisdom or we opened it up because we're just trying to find out how do I fix my situation right now? And we've all done that thing where we grab our Bible and we're like, God, I'm really, really struggling right now. I'm just gonna open it up to a random page and I believe you're gonna speak to me. Song of Solomon. That ain't gonna help me with anything. You know, like, we're like, okay, God, I'll just figure it out. No, when was the last time that we were like, God, I'm gonna read the Bible because I wanna know you more? When was the last time we did that, that we were intentional about when we read the Bible and what we read? But people, we have to remember what is most important. And it's hard for us to remember what's most important if we don't make it a priority in our life. Back in December, right before Christmas, it was actually our last Wednesday night before we went into the new year and we broke for Christmas break and all of that. I prayed over our students, said goodnight to everybody, and then one of our students ran up on stage real quick and they were like, hey, wait a minute, we have a gift for you. And people that know me pretty well know that I love shoes. I love shoes, I love getting new shoes, smelling new shoes, because my feet sink them up pretty quick. Like, I love, I love new shoes, I love that. And they surprised me with a pair of new shoes. Now these weren't just like some classic Adidas or something like that. These are my dream shoes. These were the shoes that, that for the last couple of years or about a year and a half that they had been out that I wanted these shoes. They were a pair of Yeezys and some of you don't know what that is, that's fine. Don't Google it right now because I want you to finish the message but afterwards you can Google it. They're a pair of Yeezy 350 boosts, clay. And I wanted those. They're too dang expensive, I can't afford them. But the students and all of our leaders, they got together, bought these shoes for me, bought these shoes for me, and in that moment, I was so, I was shocked. 
I was shocked. I got these shoes. I could not believe what was inside the box. And on top of that, they played a video showing how much they loved and, and cared about Megan and I. And it made me emotional. I've never cried on a Wednesday night until that moment. And they got me. They got me. I mean, I was crying. I just, I felt it. I felt it. That moment was important to me. That moment was of value to me. And, and the shoes were important to me, not just because they were shoes, but because of everything, the story behind the shoes. I mean, yes, I always wanted them. And yes, these were kind of like my dream shoes and I, I valued them because of what they were and they were expensive. But beyond that, it was who gave it to me. It was who gave me the shoes. That, that, was, that added so much value to that. So I go to this youth pastor conference and you can't show up to a youth pastor conference without the fly of shoes. So I'm wearing these shoes at the conference and there's a security guard that's working the conference and he steps on my heel while I'm wearing these shoes. I had to take a moment and pray. I, I, I mean, I know I probably can't take a security guard, but I was about to try. Like I was so frustrated that here I am, I'm walking around in these shoes that I don't even like to hardly wear in public because I don't want to get them dirty. And this guy flat tires my heel in these Yeezys. And he turns around, he's like, oh, sorry, man. And I wanted to say, be sorrier. You need to be sorrier because you don't understand what these shoes mean to me. You don't understand what the value of these shoes are. But I can't do that. He had no idea the value of these shoes. And then even if he knew what kind of shoes they were, he wouldn't have a clue how much they costed or, or even the, the basic reason of why they're valuable, not to mention the story behind the shoes. He doesn't know. And here's the deal. The people in your life, they don't know that the gospel is important. They don't know that God's people are important. They don't know that God's word is important unless we tell them. They don't know that those things are important unless we're outward about what is important. So people don't understand the value of something unless we show it to them. They won't understand the value of how good God is unless we show that to them. And we can't show them the value of something that's important if we don't believe it's important. We wonder why our kids don't wanna to go to church or they don't worship during service or when they're there we have to fight them and all this other stuff. Well, if you show that it's a value to you, it will be valuable to them. The things that are valuable to you will be value, valuable to the people that you're leading. They're gonna see that it matters to you and they love you enough to understand, okay, well, maybe I need to figure this out. Maybe I need to see why it's so important. And when they begin to discover the gospel for themselves, they'll see just how good God is. The second part to this is, if we're gonna last, we have to say yes. If we're gonna have longevity in our faith, we have to say yes. In your walk with Christ, if it's stagnant or boring, you need to move from boring to bold. Because a real relationship with God is anything but boring. And for some of you guys, you already know, because you've taken steps of faith and it's been chaotic, but on the other side of faith was a payoff that you never could have imagined. God showed up and did something amazing and it was all because you said yes. So for you, if you're on the brink of quitting, you're about ready to stop. You don't understand how to keep going and your relationship with God is boring. Church is boring. They didn't sing the song that I wanted to sing. The pastor didn't preach a message I wanted to preach. It wasn't funny enough. It wasn't deep enough. When was the last time on your own dime, on your own time, you said yes when Jesus was calling you? Because I guarantee you, when you start to say yes to Jesus, life's gonna pick up quick. 
Life's going to pick up quick. It's going to be exciting. Your relationship with God will come to life. And so many of us, we get bored in our faith, but it's because we refuse to say yes to Christ. Say yes to Jesus. Say yes to church. Say yes to serving. Say yes to your calling. Say yes to life groups. Say yes to being a part of what God is doing in our community. And when you say yes to that, God will begin to move in your life. But here's what you have to understand. You can't compare your yes to somebody else's yes. We have to stop comparing. It goes right back to when Christians are trying hard to prove to each other how good we're doing. We're competing and comparing all the time. Don't compare. When you say yes to something, it's because Jesus asked you to say yes. It's because he called you. So when you see somebody else, they said yes to something and they're doing something else. Just because somebody else says yes, does it mean that you have to say yes? Listen to what Jesus specifically has for you and respond. Don't compare. Don't hop on Instagram and start looking or Facebook and start looking and, and look at everything that's going on in their life and, 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 and wish that you had that or wish that your life was more exciting. And just, just start saying yes. Because I can tell you this from experience, comparison kills joy. Comparison kills what Christ is trying to do in your life. You can't look at somebody else's yes and wish it was yours. Just be obedient. Be willing to say, yes, Jesus. I will do what you've called me to do. I will live out the calling that you have for my life. The third and the last thing is we take a moment just to wrap up. If we want to last, if we want to hear that well done, good and faithful servant, don't quit before the finish line. Don't quit before the finish line. And this is something, even for me, if it doesn't resonate with you, I'll tell you, God's been doing a stirring in my life to tell me, Colton, don't quit before the finish line. And I'm telling you, wherever you are in your walk with Christ and whatever storm you might be facing, don't quit before the finish line. Don't give up. Galatians 6, 9, man, this verse has been like my home verse that I've been going back to says, so let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if, if we don't give up. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. I love this. I love this because it helps remind me that yes, what I might be working through and what you might be working through right now might be difficult, but if you keep pushing, if you keep saying yes and keep continuing to be faithful, you keep remembering that God's word and God's gospel is important, his people are important, and you just keep showing up day after day after day, you will eventually reap a harvest. Everything that God has for you will be laying in front of you. It will be laying in front of you but you have to be willing to show up every single day because the devil wants nothing more than for you to give up right before the finish line. He wants you to give up right before the end. He wants you to see how hard life has been and everything that you've been going through and right before you get to the finish line, he would love for you to quit. But I'm telling you today, don't stop. Don't stop. I know that right now, there are so many people that are watching this and you're going through a lot. Your job has been shifted. Your hours have been taken. You're, you're wondering maybe where your next paycheck is going to come from. You don't know how you're going to make it. You don't know how you're going to pay the bills or feed your family. But let me tell you this. Don't give up. Don't give up hope. 
Don't give up your faith because the devil wants nothing more than for you to give up. He wants you to say, I can't do it anymore. I'm broken, I'm hurt, I'm beat down. I've been running this race for too long. My legs are bruised and scratched. My feet are bloody. Keep going. Keep going because on the other side of that race is a victory that you can't even imagine. On the other side of that is a harvest that you can't even imagine. And you have to understand that the harvest can be hard too sometimes. True farmers understand that the harvest season isn't where they just sit at the table with their knife and fork and everything that they plant just lands in their lap. They know that during the harvest season, they got to get out and they got to take what God has already provided for them. And so for you, even in the harvest season, you're like, God, I've been praying for this and now why do I want it to go away? You've given it to me, why do I want it to go away? Remember in the moment where you're struggling, maybe for some of you, you, you don't even realize that, that you're in the harvest right now. You're like, well, why am I still working for it? Understand that even in the harvest, it's still hard sometimes. So we think, well, when do I rejoice? You work during the process. I mean, you rejoice during the process. During the race, you rejoice because you know that God is taking you somewhere. God's taking you somewhere. He's taking you on a journey. So don't dread it. Don't step back. Don't quit. Find reasons to rejoice even in the struggle because you know that God's trying to take you somewhere. And then rejoice in the harvest. You find yourself weighed down and bogged down during the harvest. Don't give up then. Be willing to say, God, this might be hard, but it's exactly what I've prayed for. This is exactly what I've prayed for. And I've wanted this and thank you for providing it for me. Thank you for giving me this harvest, even though it may seem hard right now. So just to kind of wrap all this up, I want us to understand that as Christians, our walk with Christ is not always easy. Sometimes it's difficult. It feels like a race, and a race is hard. Longevity is hard. To stick to it is difficult. But for your sake, for your kids' sake, for your grandkids' sake, for the sake of your legacy that you're leaving behind, be willing to say, I know what's important. I'm willing to say yes, and I'm not going to quit before the finish line. 